Merry Christmas. Welcome to uh, week number two in our series uh, that we're calling The Family Tree. We're looking back uh, into uh, Jesus' family tree that is really recorded for us throughout the Bible and really our spiritual family tree as well uh, because he's our our older brother, our, the Son of God, our Savior. And uh, I thought it would be an interesting kind of perspective as we move in toward Christmas. Uh, last week we talked about Jacob's ladder. Uh, Jacob was a great, great, grand, way, way back there. I think it's uh, like 45 times removed, grandpa uh, of uh, Jesus. And, and uh, just the whole point that God came to us. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because God came near to us. All other faiths, all other religions say, you got to work your way up to God. But Christianity, the Christian faith, says, no, God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. God came near to us. And, and so I want to continue uh, with that series, and this is going to lead us right up to uh, our five Christmas uh, services that are coming up uh, at the end of the month. But before we jump in the message, uh, question for you, how many of you have finished your Christmas shopping already? Okay, one. That's great. No, there's three. All right, fantastic. The rest of us hate you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We love you. This church, you know, we don't do that at all. But uh, how many of you do all exclusive, I mean exclusive, online shopping? Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Isn't it great to stay in your pajamas and you just cross off all the things that are on the list there? Uh, I, I love online shopping. In fact, people that I give presents to really love online shopping because before online shopping, they didn't get anything from me. So uh, it's really, really uh, an advantage uh, for me for sure. You know, uh, so last week as we talked about uh, Jacob's ladder, because of Christmas, there are no ladders for you and I uh, to climb. Uh, and we, we looked at the fact that really, according to the Bible even, Jesus was the stairway to heaven. He was the first one uh, of Jacob's ladder, and uh, uh, later on some rock and roll group got a hold of that one and made it mean all kinds of other stuff. But love came down to us. Now this week, I, I want to talk about uh, another relative of Jesus's, but here's the thing. This is the reason why we have children's ministry here at Valley Christian Church, because the Bible is not for kids. Uh, the Bible is not rated G. In fact, it's not even PG or PG-13. It's rated R. I mean, it is, it is really brutal, to say the least, uh, and it's, it's, it's not for kids. Uh, I'm going to try to make this story as PG-13 as I possibly can. There's only one problem, the main character of the story. She's a prostitute. She's a hooker. Uh, she, she sells sex for money, is the main character. And her name is Rahab. And she actually, Jesus is a descendant of her. A really remarkable story here. You have your Valley Christian Church app. Go ahead and open it up. Uh, and, and I think you're going to want to follow along. Joshua chapter 2. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We'd be here all day long. Uh, but, but I want to touch on some of the points. Uh, Rahab here. Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, and, and we'll look at the highlights in this chapter. Again, trying to make this PG-13. Because there's a lot that's being said here that you may not even realize is being said here. All right. Uh, again, Rahab here is a prostitute. She is not someone you want your kids hanging out with. She's not the one that you want moving in next door to you or, or anything like that. This is, this is a woman of the night. Uh, and uh, 
had the oldest occupation uh, on the planet, and that is prostitution. And, and it's a real interesting uh, story where we pick up. Joshua chapter 2, uh, God has used Moses in the previous generation to lead, to deliver the people of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And, and now Joshua, his uh, um, heir, uh, the leader of Israel, now they cross over the Jordan River and they begin to conquer and, and to take the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a long, long time ago, uh, their ancestors. Uh, one of the first cities they come to is Jericho, and Joshua sends two spies into Jericho, and he says, you know, find out all their fortifications and all these things. And isn't it interesting, they end up at the prostitute's home. Just read into that whatever you want to but uh, they end up in the prostitutes home and uh, the king of Jericho finds out that these two spies from Israel are hanging out in a red light district and so sends word to her listen turn them over to us we're going to kill them and she said they've already left they're not here any longer uh, but if you run real quick and chase them you'll be able to capture them and they send them on a wild goose chase. They don't capture them. Uh, they come back and they start banging on Rahab's door. At this point, she says, listen, and then we drop in in the conversation right here. The door is being knocked on. Rahab turns to these two spies like, we're in trouble. Remember, this is probably not the first time someone's been banging on the door of her house when they find out who's in there trying to get to who that is. I mean, this is real life. This is the Bible. And at this point, we drop in on the story, and we look at Rahab's risk. She takes a huge, huge risk. And the question is, why? Why would she do something like this? The, the, she's not Jewish. She's not an Israelite. Why would she protect these men? Rahab's risk. Look at it in verse 9. She's speaking to these two spies, pound, pound, pounding on the door. People are trying to break in. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told. We're all afraid of you. She's speaking for all the inhabitants of Jericho. Everyone in the land is living in terror. And it goes on and it says, For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea. Remember that Ten Commandments? Parted the Red Sea and they walked over on dry land. She said, We heard about this stuff. When you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sion and to Og, these are other, the Amorite kings uh, of the east of the Jordan River whose people you completely destroyed. In other words, these spies, their reputation of Israel preceded them. She goes on and she says, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight against hearing such things. And listen to this from this prostitute. She's not an Israelite. She's not Jewish. None of those things. She's pagan prostitute. For the Lord your God is the supreme God. Wow. She says, the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth below. Of the heavens above and the earth below. This pagan prostitute says, your God is the real God. And we're scared to death. That's the reason why she takes this risk. She doesn't need any more proof. She doesn't need any more miracles. She doesn't anyone, need anyone to preach a sermon to her. She is really putting her life at risk because she's convinced your Lord, for the Lord your God is the supreme God. He's sovereign over everything. He's in complete control of what's going on. 
of the heavens above and the earth below. See, here's the first thing I think is so important about this story. Rahab taking this risk. God relishes in using the most unlikely people to bring about his plans and his purposes on this planet. He, he uses a pagan prostitute that we're going to find ends up being the great-great-grandma of Jesus Christ. Not the people that have it all together. Not the people that, that have the, the, the highest IQ or the, the best college education or, or come from the best bred families, anything like that. God uses and relishes using people most unlikely ones to bring about his plan and his purpose. Rahab took this huge, huge risk for God. Rahab risked it all not out of fear, but watch this now, out of faith. For the Lord your God is the supreme God. Don't miss that statement of faith that she makes. Your God is the only God. He's the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Your God is the miracle-working God. Your God is the sin-forgiving God. Your God is powerful enough to, to rout foreign enemies, and he's also tender enough to embrace a woman like Rahab. She understood this. This pagan prostitute is willing to risk everything to stand up for a God that she barely even knows. But she knows He's the real God. I don't know much about him. And isn't it interesting? She doesn't even call him by name or anything. She's just like, the God you guys serve, he's the real deal. He's the real one. Takes no more convincing. And she makes this incredible statement of faith. See, here's the thing. Rahab had lived a really, really tough life. But she had a really, really tender heart. A real tender heart toward God and it caused her to risk it all that's why she risked look at now the request she makes Rahab's request Rahab not only saved the spies but in just a moment she's going to make a request of these spies and she's going to save not only her life but her entire family's life that's her request woman of faith she was a street walker she had some, some street smarts look at the verse in verse 12 of Joshua chapter 2 she goes on to the, to the uh, spies and says this now swear to me by the Lord that by, by, swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered you will let me live along with, watch this now, my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters, my brothers, my sisters, and all of their families as well. She says, I've helped you out. She's about to let him go without being captured. She goes, but swear to me, you're not only going to let me live, you're going to let my entire family, my mother, my father, my sisters, plural, my brothers, plural, and all of their families and relatives as well. Think about this for just a minute. Generally speaking, uh, women that go into that line of work, prostitution, aren't very well off. When the spies say, what do you want from us? 
She doesn't say, I want a lot of money. Give me money. She doesn't say, give me power. She doesn't say, give me some sort of position. She says, save my family. Save my family. Her first thought with, with her taking this huge risk and the request, what is it that you want from us? What, what, what can we give you in return for this? Save my family. Her first thought is for herself, but also for her family. What do you want in return? She says, take care of my peeps. Take care of my people. The greatest desire of her heart was the salvation of her entire family. She didn't ask for money. She didn't ask for power. She didn't ask for property. She said, save my family. My family is the thing that's the most important to me. Save them. It's pretty interesting here where it says, uh, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind. You know, kind in our English language, we, we, we hear the word kind and, and we think, you know, that, that someone's thoughtful or uh, gentle or something like that. That's not what this word is. Th this word is an interesting word in Hebrew for kindness. She says, please be kind to me and to my family. Let's go ahead and put up that Hebrew word, kind. In Hebrew is the word chased, chased. Just say that with me for me, chased. Practice it one more time, chased. Just turn to the person next to you and speak a little Hebrew to them. Say, chased. Now wipe the spit off their face that you just put on there, all right? But that's actually how you say it in Hebrew. It, it, it should make the listener get a little wet, you know, chased. But the, the Hebrew word here, chased, looks what it means, a covenant of loving kindness. Chased is the Hebrew word for a total umbrella salvation. So she doesn't say, just be gentle, be thoughtful with my family. She means, bring them under the umbrella of your protection. Everyone, save them totally. And not only a one-time event, she's talking about covenant here. It's like, if you do this, what I'm asking you to do is, as long as you live, you look out for my family. As long as you let no trouble, as long as you two spies are still alive, let no trouble ever come, not only to me, but to my mother, to my father, to my sister, to my brothers, and all of their families as well. Chased. Be kind to them. This is all she asked for. It's absolutely mind-blowing when you start peeling back this story. She says, what I care the most about is my family. Be kind to them. Be kind to them. Rahab makes this bold risk for God and then makes a bold request of God. Show covenant loving kindness to my parents, to my siblings, and to all of their families as well. Rahab took this risk and then she makes this request and then look at the reward. Verse 14, next verse. Joshua chapter 2, verse 14, Rahab's reward. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. This is covenant language here. They're basically saying this. If we don't follow through and protect your family, may God strike us dead. They're saying we're offering our own lives up, that we're agreeing to this. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you, do, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord 
gives us the land. It says, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to be kind to you. We're going to be, and there's that word again, chaset. We, we will keep this covenant we're making with you right now to be kind to you. And then verse 15, it says, Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through a window. And again, this is kind of interesting. Where did she get the rope? <laughs> I bet you it was hanging there all along. It wasn't like all of a sudden, let's drop a rope. Like I said, these probably weren't the first cats that were trying to get out of her back window that somebody's knocking at the door. She was a prostitute. And she goes, here's a rope. Go, take it. And it was a scarlet rope. It was a, it was a red rope, which is pretty cool. Probably not the first time Rahab had let us, some men sneak out the window from her house when there was a knock at the front door. But here's the amazing thing about God. God can even use pagan practices of our past to bring about his purposes today. An escape route that men had probably taken before to get out of the prostitute's house without anyone seeing under the cover of darkness. God can even use something like that to bring about his plan and his purpose when a heart's turned towards him in faith, just like Rahab's was. And then look at what it says, verse 17. Before they left, the men told her, uh, we will be bound by the oath that we have taken only if you follow these instructions. They gave her very specific instructions. It goes on. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. The, the Rahab's rope, a red rope, a scarlet rope. And all, uh, and all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all their relatives must be here inside the house. This is pretty interesting. In order for them to be saved, don't miss this now, because then we'll connect the dots to Jesus at Christmas. In order for them to be saved, everyone had to be in the household with the scarlet rope, with the red rope. Isn't it interesting? The Christmas colors, red and green. We decorate our trees. We, we, I kind of even wore a little scarlet-y kind of uh, sweater today. We decorate our trees with red and green this time, the, the colors of Christmas itself. And Rahab had a red rope, a scarlet rope. And the spies say, we're giving you our word. We're giving you our oath before God. Our lives as guarantees we're going to keep good on this promise. Have all of your families, all those that you want us hesed, they all have to be in the house, and then you drop that red rope so we can see it. And when we see the red of the rope, we will not conquer this house. You'll all be safe when we see the red rope hanging from the window. All kinds of uh, symbolism here, generations before Jesus ever comes. And then Joshua chapter 2, verse 21, it says... She says, I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. What's this connection to Jesus Christ? Well, maybe you've already gotten there. The scarlet rope. The connection to Christ is Rahab's rope represents Jesus Christ chased over your sins and my sins through his shed blood. It was the red rope that saved Rahab and her family. And it's the red blood of Jesus Christ that covers over completely your sins and my sins. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate 
Not that, that God just arrived, but that God lived, Jesus Christ himself lived a perfect and sinless life. But he laid that life down for you and for me to pay the price in your place and in my place for our sins and to rise again three days later from the dead. The connection to Christ, Rahab's distant grandma, represents Christ covering your sins and mine in his blood. This is what the teachings of the New Testament say. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, kind of like Rahab, but now you have been brought near to him. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the red, scarlet blood of Jesus Christ. The red rope of Rahab is the link to Jesus why do we celebrate Christmas? Because God came down. We talked about that last week. And now this week, because God came down and he sacrificed himself for you and for me. And so let me just apply this story now. And I encourage you to read the whole thing. It's a fascinating story in Joshua chapter 2. But let me just apply it to our lives here in 2017 in the 21st century uh, this Christmas. Three simple truths that we can learn from Rahab. This is pretty amazing stuff because not only is Rahab mentioned in the Old Testament where we just looked, but Rahab is then brought up again three times in the New Testament. Three different occasions. Three different writers who are inspired by the Holy Spirit go back to Rahab because she was such a pivotal person in the family tree of Jesus Christ. This prostitute, Rahab. Three simple truths. Each time she's mentioned, it teaches us something about our faith in Jesus Christ. First of all, the first thing that the story of Rahab teaches us and we find in the New Testament is this. No one is beyond the reach of God. No one. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone and run away from God. No one is beyond the reach of God. No one. You want to really... Uh, counted up and I actually did this believe it or not because this is just what preachers do Rahab was the 42nd grandma of Jesus 42nd time removed of Jesus Christ Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 1, which gives Jesus' genealogy. And we read through these things really, really quick. This is pretty amazing. But we, we zip through all this stuff, but they're there for a reason because it tells us a story. Watch this, who Rahab ends up being. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 through 6, Jesus' genealogy. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Now watch this. Salmon was Jewish. He was an Israelite, and he was one of the princes of Israel. He was royalty in Israel. Watch this. He, uh, he was the father of Boaz. You may know that name. Some of you that know the Bible. Who was, whose mother was Rahab. So Salmon marries Rahab. Marries this prostitute. They're saved. Her family's saved. This fellow falls in love with her. Marries her. Watch this now. She went from being a prostitute to being a princess. He was a prince in Israel. And they have a son named Boaz, who is also a prince in Israel, royalty. Boaz is the father, and some of you know this story, was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Boaz marries Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. 
All this comes from Rahab, this prostitute who put her faith in a God she barely even knew. She goes from prostitute to princess, and she becomes, in the family tree, just a couple of generations removed, as David's like great-great-grandmother, the greatest king the nation of Israel ever saw. And next week, we're going to talk about David's heart. That's who we'll focus in on next week. God made this incredible promise to David. He said, one will sit on your throne forever. He was talking about Jesus. It all hinges. These spies go to the prostitute's house. Rahab. No one is beyond the reach of God. No one. Not you. Not me. Not the worst person you can think of or the worst person that, that uh, you know, has ever done you wrong. No one is. No one is beyond the reach of God. Rahab became the great-grandmother of King David. Great -gram um, the great-grandmother, I'm sorry, I, I, I looked down at my notes, I said the wrong thing. Rahab is actually the great-grandmother of Jesus 28 times removed. There are 40, in this genealogy here, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, uh, she, she is one of only two really emphasized of who they are, women, in the whole genealogy there. 42 granddaddies are mentioned there. There's only two grandmas. Like there's a point that's being made. Rahab was something special. Let me ask you a question. Do you have family members right now that you're saying, oh, there's no way God could ever reach them? That there's no way. Their heart's just way too hard towards God. Maybe it's an atheist brother or an alcoholic uncle or a divorced dad or a prodigal teenager. The story of Rahab should give you hope and give me hope as well because no one is beyond the reach of God. Rahab says to you and to me, no one is ever beyond outside of God's reach. No one. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Keep your faith in God. In fact, I, I just want to encourage you because I believe this. We've seen this so many times uh, over the years, 27 years of being a pastor. No one is outside the reach of God. And coming up on this Christmas and our Christmas services uh, that, that are going to be uh, our five services, on two on Thursday night and three on Christmas Eve day, uh, we want to do everything we can. We've tried real hard as a staff to think through and make it as easy as possible for you to invite your friends and your family members. You're like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way God could reach you. We want to make it as easy as possible. And that's why we've been handing out these, these invite cards. And I encourage you, if you haven't gotten one yet, pick one of these up and, and just invite your friend. That's one of the reasons why we're uh, our, our family member. That's why we're, we're actually going to have a drawing. We're going to do an informal survey. We do this every year. And, and we're going to draw someone's name from that survey. 
have a number of questions, what you'd like to hear answered from the Bible. We take the top five responses, and that's our first series in January. Question and answer, and we'll just answer the top five questions from that survey that people want to hear the answer from, from the Bible. And one of those surveys, we'll bring them all up here, we'll pull it out, and we have a flat screen, HD, 50-inch television we're going to give away in each of our five services. You know why we would do something like that? Because Jesus said this crazy thing that most churches tell you about, but they don't ever practice themselves. It's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we wish we could give every one of you a 50-inch television, but we just can't do that. But, but at each one of our services, so you can just say, listen, go, don't even listen. Just sit there. But you could win a TV. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to invite your friends. And I'll tell you what you can expect. You can expect a, a quality uh, service in everything that we do. And you can also expect a clear, practical, easy-to-understand gospel message. Last Christmas alone, we had over 60 people put their faith in Jesus Christ in our Christmas services. We're believing for even greater things in these Christmas services. This year alone, we've already had 212. God is doing something. God is doing something. We can't make that happen. We, as a staff, we work hard. We do everything we can do. But then God does what only he can do. And so I encourage you, pick this up. In fact, let me tell you a little bit about our Thursday night services on the 22nd, uh, on December 22nd. So there's five services, two on December 22nd, three on December 24th, identical except for this one thing. On our Thursday services, would you just go ahead and put up the picture there? We're going to have selfies with Santa at all services. Now, this is not pretend. This is my friend. We're actually, he's going to be coming in. His name's Dwayne Lusk. He's a bishop in Eastern Europe. That's a real beard, folks. He's like the best Santa Claus. You won't even find Macy's. Macy's Santa Claus got nothing on Dwayne Lusk. And he's going to be here just on Thursday, literally coming in on Wednesday. He leaves Friday morning. But also, selfies with Santa uh, going on on our Thursday services. We just want to make it as easy and as for you to just say, selfies with Santa. You got to see this dude, man. It's real. He doesn't stuff his jacket. It's like the real deal. And, and the beard and all that stuff. I just love them. You know, great, great friends of ours. We said, would you come up? And they said, we can't do it for Christmas Eve, but we'll be there for Thursday. We're like, all right, selfies with Santa on Thursday the 21st in our services there. So uh, as easy as possible, no one is beyond God's reach. And so we just encourage you, invite your friends. Tell them to come. Tell them you'll come with them. Tell them about you could win a free TV. We want to do everything we can. We're committed to this as a church, short of sin. We're not going to sin. But everything that we can, short of sin, to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. This is why I don't mind preaching the exact same sermon five times in one weekend. Because if it reaches people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, I'm all for it, and I'll be drooling out the side of my mouth on Christmas Day. But I'm all for it. No one is beyond the reach of God. Here's the second thing, simple truth from Rahab. Saving faith always results in action. Saving faith always results in action. See, Rahab didn't just say, I believe your God is supreme. She actually did something in response. She took a step. She took a risk. Saving faith always results in action. Here's the second time that Rahab's name is mentioned in the New Testament. 
pretty interesting spot here in Hebrews chapter 11. Some of you may know Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the hall of faith. It's the hall of fame for Old Testament followers of God that put their faith in God. And Rahab's in there. There's only two women mentioned in the entire thing because it was a patriarchal uh, culture back then. This pagan prostitute is one of those women. Hebrews chapter 11, look at what it says in verse 31. By faith, it was by faith that Rahab did this. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. It was by faith because she welcomed them in and she protected them and she let them out and saved their lives. It was an act of faith. Powerful, powerful point. Saving faith always results in action. She's one of the two women that are mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, and by the way, she wasn't Jewish. She wasn't even Jewish. And she becomes the great-grandmother of King David from her. When you're welcomed into God's family, just like Rahab, you know what? He gives you a new identity. He gives you a new name. He gives you a new meaning gives you a new mission a new purpose for a living we find purpose when we come into right relationship with God just like Rahab did what's your mission what's our mission what should our mission be what's your mission what's my mission what's, what's the mission of this church family Valley Christian Church well if I could put it in the context of this story about Rahab's rope. I think it comes to our third point about Rahab's life. We are all called to rescue Rahab's. Every one of us. Each and every one of us are called to rescue Rahab's. And it comes to the third point, third time that Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament, this time in the epistle of James. All these inspired by the same Holy Spirit in Matthew and in the book of Hebrews and now in James. Look at what it says, James chapter 2, verse 25. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She's an example for us to follow, the Bible says. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without breath good works right here an example Rahab is put forth as an example we say we have faith in God but there is no demonstration in our life that, that we take a step we take action we do what God wants us to then we don't have faith faith is not a thought faith is not an emotion faith is a lifestyle it's a way of living Rahab took this risk, took this action. And the Bible says she was shown to be right with God by her actions. Faith is always shown in our actions or the lack thereof. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and helped them get away safely. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without 
good works. If my faith in Christ is real and your faith in Christ is real, you and I will take bold actions and bold risks for Jesus Christ to follow his instructions and the way that he set for you and I to live. I'm going to ask right now, would you just bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these, uh, these truths that we find in this Old Testament character, the ancestor of Jesus himself. Lord, what great hope that we find because so many of us have struggles and we have issues that we're dealing with and we're trying to put in the rearview mirror. And yet, God, our hearts are filled with hope tonight at this time realizing, Lord, that, that if you can work through this woman's life in such a powerful way like Rahab, you can, you can work through our lives as well. Father, help us to just embrace the incredible truth that no one, no one is beyond your reach. That saving faith always results in actions taken. And that each and every one of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we are called to rescue Rahab's right here today in our world. Father, this Christmas, I just pray that there would be a new sense of purpose and direction in each of our hearts as we really follow in the footsteps and follow the example, not, not just of Rahab, but of our Son, your Savior, Jesus Christ, God who came to us, God who laid his life down to pay the price for our sins. Thank you, Father. Right now, with our, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone and everyone that even as I've been looking at this incredible story of Rahab, God's been speaking to your heart. You may be here right now and you've never taken that step of faith of, of, of trusting Jesus Christ, putting your life in those nail-scarred hands. That he truly did come to live a sinless life, but he sacrificed that life for you and for me. He laid it down as a substitute. And he rose from the dead three days later, giving us proof positive and confidence that our sins are paid for when we receive him as our Savior, Lord. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe right now you're wondering, well, how do I do that, Greg? The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you've never done it before, I just want to ask you right now in this quiet moment of prayer and contemplation just to open your heart up to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer right now. As your heart is open, if you've never received him as your Savior, I just invite you to pray this prayer after me. And in so doing, declaring tonight, Jesus is my Lord. Just repeat after me, saying, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I receive his sacrifice for me. That my sins are forgiven and paid in full because of his sacrifice for me. Jesus, be my Lord.
Be my Savior. Guide me. Direct me. Lead me. From this day forward, my life is in your hands. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.